Welcome to the Macros for Life podcast, where we talk all things macros, business, and marriage. We're your hosts, Eve and Randall Guzman. Visit our website at www.gtransformationacademy.com, where you can download our free How to Track Macros guide. This guide has helped over 15,000 people start their macro tracking journey. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Macros for Life podcast. Today, we have Luca Hosovar with us, Coach Luca. Uh, coach Luca is a strength coach, a business coach, speaker, and also the owner of Vigor Ground, uh, Ground Fitness. And if I'm correct, you have two of those. So, yes, on different nice, continents. Nice, a little, a little That's amazing. Apart. <laughs> nice. Do you tell the audience uh, in your own words a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, first of all, Pleasure to be on the show. Honored to be on the show. Um, love that I get to spend some time with you guys and, and, and chat it up. Um, you guys, you guys may not. I I like to chat. I like to talk. Uh, but hopefully, my goal is for everything to be valuable and useful. So, um, I'll I'll you know I'll keep it decently short. Um, you know, as far as my journey goes, I you know basketball is a big part of my life. I actually kind of attribute basketball to to saving my life because I was a knucklehead kid in my teenage years, uh, and that was probably the only thing that kept me. Uh, I should I say got me off uh, the streets and, and, and doing crime. So that was a big guiding force in my life. And, and behind basketball was fitness. Actually, my, my mom opened a gym when I was 13 years old. She'd work at the bank half the day. Her friend would run a gym. She'd work the other half the day at the gym. And that's when I started lifting weights. And I was, you know, if, if you saw me, I'm six foot. But in the world of basketball, you wouldn't go look at me and go like that guy's a hooper. You know, he's not a, a, a Wemby 7'4 or anything like that. So, you know, I, I had to and I was a scrawny kid and I had to like. I started lifting weights to improve performance in basketball, right? That's, that's why I started. And I got geeked out about how to improve power and speed and strength. And, you know, I was, I was spending a lot of time in a gym, had some really good mentors too, as a, as a kid, which I attribute to, uh, you know, the coaching side was really, really beneficial for me. And I'm, you know, was able to jump higher, put on a lot of muscle. And, and that's kind of when I fell in love with the training side of things, but all the way through till, you know, uh, 23, 22, if you asked me about training, I was super into it. But the, if you asked me, oh, what do you want to do? It's like, I want to play an NBA. That was it. You know, that was, that was the only thing that I wanted was basketball. And um, I eventually ended up, you know, going to the U.S. because not, not only that I, I got in a lot of trouble in, in Slovenia, but it was one of the ways to kind of get away from the dumb stuff I was doing while still pursue basketball and, and be in school. Because I was already playing pro when I was about 17 years old. So I went to um, upstate New York. I did two years at a junior college. Got a full ride in, uh, in Southern Virginia and then went and played overseas uh, for about three years, uh, Ukraine, Slovenia, NBA Summer Pro League. But underlyingly, there was always this like I, I was since I was 13, I, I, I kid you not, I would spend hours per day studying training. It, it was like I was obsessed with it, you know, and um, I ended up even doing a, a kind of minor in exercise science and kinesiology in, in college. But not because, I, you know, if you ask me like, hey, I want to be in training or a strength coach, I was just so into the body and performance and how it all operates and how can I improve? And so that, that is also what led me to um, down the line when I had to make the really tough decision. It was a very, very, uh, I mean, it was an identity crisis decision to stop playing pro sports. Um, and we had at that point in time, I was already training people as a, as a side hustle because I enjoyed it. Um, and that led to, I mean, now it's been 17 and a half years ago, we opened a gym in Slovenia. It's like a little small room, you know, 470 square feet. 
and um, which has now been around for 17 and a half years. It's 11,000 square feet. We have 500 members. We train, you know, Olympians and NBA players and all that stuff and general pop. And not long after, about a year after, as I started that with my brother and a couple of friends, I, I moved because I was married. Um, my college sweetheart here in the U.S. So that's how I came to rent in Seattle and started from scratch. Big box gyms, L.A. Fitness, Vision Quest, you know, and I started my first garage gym. November, last November would have been 15 years. So um, been in the game for a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm somewhat of a obsessive personality. You know, when it was basketball, I was obsessed about training in basketball. And then when I got into, you know, when I made the official decision, I'm going to be a coach, I'm going to build a gym. I mean, it was all day, every day. It's like, you know, sleep, eat, dream, think about that stuff. <laughs> I kind of still do. So, I mean, that's, that's like the very, you know, the, the, the short story along, along the way, you know, I don't really, I'm, I'm very hands-off. I kind of just consult for the gym in Slovenia. I'm very hands-on at the one in Seattle. Um, I speak a lot. I got online educational stuff, um, do a lot of online education. And uh, I also own, I ended up buying this building that we're in here. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. a landlord and we have like seven tenants here. So that that's work too, because it's a business in and of itself. And um, yeah, my day revolves around people and training and fitness and helping people change their basically life through you know body and mind transformations. You know, I mean that's the that's the gist of it. And I absolutely love what I do. And that's dope. That's dope. The the a couple of things you said really hit home with me. But one, like being a former athlete myself. Um, like I played college ball and I played arena ball. I played football for like three years. And you was talking about that identity crisis when you leave that sport and you have to figure out who you are and it's major. And, you know, just to push through that and jump right into business, that's huge. Um, and a lot of people may not know it, but like when you play sports for that long in your life, that's just, you get to that point where you got to pull the plug and it's like, who am I after mm -hmm. that point? Yeah. So that's interesting. 100%. Like I, if you guys read the book from um, just because he has good analogies from James Clear, it's called Atomic Habits. Yes. And he talks about oh. as, uh, excellence. So we, we give we give that book to every new member that comes in, because I think it's such a foundational kind of piece of, you know, understanding what you're doing and building identity. And so, you know, imagine from for me, it was like 15 plus years of um, every day, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours dedicating to the sport. So I was casting votes for who I want to be. Right. And those votes for that identity were like, I am an athlete. I am a basketball player. Right. And when you cast votes for that long and, and you make this decision and say, well, you know, now I am, um, fill in the blank, what the decision is Like you kind of, you kind of get lost when that gets taken away. And, and also the, the, I would say the community of challenge and teamwork and all these different things, you have to find find it elsewhere. And I mean, thankfully, I, I would say that what was a thing that was kind of a saving grace is that because I was so into fitness, um, so, so my last year playing pro ball, if, if for anybody that understands pro sports, you know, it's not all uh, sunshine and rainbows where it's like, oh, you play pro sports, you got to be rich, right? Like um, my last year, like I didn't get paid for six months out of that season because uh, the team, and it was a division one team. So it was a high level team, but it's like, they ran into money problems. And basically what they do, they're like, Hey, you know, we'll get you, we'll get you, you know, and you're doing two a days, you know, for two hours, two and a half hours per day. Um, and in between I was training people. Right. So it was like, cause I, it was kind of a little bit of a side hustle to make money. And I, that's what I really learned. Like, man, I really, I really like training people because I get something from it, you know, mm -hmm. seeing people succeed. And, and two, like, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I had a bit of a, um, 
I wanted to tip the scale of karma in my direction because in my teenage years, I did a lot of like sh shitty stuff that I wasn't proud of, like, you know, being a criminal. And it's like, for me, when I coached people and I was helping people, it gave me like uh, almost like this addictive feeling that I, you know, to this day, I was just, was just on um, Joe DeFranco's podcast, you know, talking about like, man, this has been almost 20 years of coaching for me. And when I see somebody get a PR or get a win, like I get, like, I get like tingly, just talking about it, I get, like butterflies, I get tingly feelings. It's never gone away. You know, I, mm. when people go like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. So the same shit. Like, no, no. Like I, I still get fired up to, you know, and that's, that's the feeling that I got when I started coaching. And that's what started pulling me into coaching. If I, you know, completely honest, even while I was still playing pro sports, I'd leave and make, you know, $5 for a session back then. Cause that was in euros, you know, in Europe, in Slovenia is like, you know, training wasn't even a, a, really a thing. So I basically get almost no money but leave the session being like, man, like I'm fired up. Like that person got better. You know, they improved their deadlift. Their back didn't hurt anymore. And, and that's what slowly kind of started pulling me in. And what I realized is that I had a lot of deliberate practice. Um, by the way, guys, I hope you, if you, I'm going to say a lot of books and shit. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's, that's, that's not a bad thing. Cause, cause there's really good, uh, I would say lessons and analogies in there. There's a book called so good. They can't ignore you um, by Cal Newport. And, the reason I bring it up is because in that book, it talks about how uh, the passion hypothesis is incorrect, right? They, you don't just run into stuff in your life and are passionate about it. What happens is the harder that you work, right? The more deliberate practice that you have, the more passionate you become about the thing. Basketball was the same for me. I, I wasn't good. Nobody picked me. Like I was a little small kid. Nobody wanted to pick. I was pissed off. I was annoyed and I worked hard because I wanted to prove myself and be seen. The harder I worked, the better I got, the more passionate I got about basketball. So with training, you know, deliberate practice, I had literally studied training since I was 13 years old. So when I ended my basketball career, I had over a decade of in, like, I mean, tens of thousands of hours of training myself, learning from the best. I, I was very fortunate to have some incredible coaches. And so when I started, you know, I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I, that identity crisis of leaving, uh, uh, I would say basketball, it made it a little bit better. I mean, I, I definitely had times of, you know, pr pretty significant depression, but throwing myself into coaching really, really helped that because I did have a lot of experience and knowledge, even though I was new to it. Um, and that kind of, you know, was what made, uh, let's just say the wheels start turning faster. Right. And, um, and once I decided like, okay, this is what we're going to do. That was it. Cause I'm very much so, you know, in Latin, Latin decision means, you know, to cut. And that was it for me. I'm like, I'm cutting off any other options. This is what I'm going to do, whatever it takes. This is going to be the, the rest of my life. And I also love the idea that like in, in basketball or any sport, even if you make it long, you know, 35, I mean, some people may be 40, you know, you have the rest of your life ahead of you. Like coaching, I can be 89 years old, still getting wow. better as a coach, right? Like, so this thing that like, there's no, like never peak, right? Never peak. I, I can continue to improve you know, really, really kind of uh, pulled me in. And and so all of those things coming together is kind of like why, uh, I don't know if I chose fitness or fitness chose me, right? It's still a question, but, um, but, but that was, and, and I think that, that part when you, when you said is, is challenging, absolutely it is. Cause you have to now rebuild your identity and start casting votes, right? Every, everything that you do every single day is casting votes for who you want to become. Right. And I tell folks like, look, I don't know if you've never played ping pong, and you play it twice, and I ask you if you're a ping pong player, you'd be like, no, I'm not. But if you play ping pong for a year and a half, three times a week, 
and I ask you, are you a ping pong player? You'd be like, yeah, I am, right? Because you've cast enough votes for that. That's just like, are you a fit person? Well, a person that's been training for a year, three days a week will tell you like, yeah, I am, right? But if you do a six-week challenge of nutrition, at the end of the six-week challenge, it's not who you become, right? It's like intense and short, and it's like, that's not who you become. You didn't cast enough votes for that. And, and I think that that perspective really matters with no matter what you want to build in your life, right? You want to become a fitter person. You want to become healthier through nutrition. You want to become an entrepreneur and build a business. You want to be a content creator. That, that same principle applies when it comes to that. That's deep. But I mean, so true. It's definitely, it's, it's so true. It's also kind of like, I, it made me think of the conversation that we had the other day of like, we're at the point also in our lives that we know more than we've ever, ever known, but there's like so much more to learn. And like you were saying, being an athlete, you know, you cap out with like ability and age and we can just keep growing and growing and growing and continuously casting those votes. Yeah. And, and, and this is, this is the interesting thing, right? Like, uh, you know, cognitive dissonance, like we hear about it all the time. Um, and every person, you know, I mean, again, I, I always say I stand on the shoulders of giants. I've had some of the best mentors in my life in this industry that, you know, have been around for 40 years. I mean, 50 or like crazy numbers, right? Like well, I've been doing it for 20 and I, you know, Mike Bull, who's been a great influence too, is like, you know, been coaching for 43 now. And it's like, I'm about to be 43 year old, the years old. He's been coaching for that long. And so you get this wisdom and what you realize with anybody that's been in it for a long time, they'll say, I don't know a lot more, right? I'm not sure. You know, I'm kind of learning. I'm kind of digging into this, um, you know, so staying curious, you know, you see that the, the best of the best of the best stay curious. Uh, they've never, they never got there, you know, they never got there. And, and that's why um, I love this. You know, we, we'll have taglines that I love to say, like, you know, I got a bunch of clients, 65, 62, you know, 69 and, and I'm like, never peak, you know, they're, they're, they're the fittest that they've ever been like at 65, you know, the strongest ever been at 65. And if you believe that next year you can be better, you know, as a coach, as a person that's improving their health, your belief system drives your behaviors. Like we know that, right? Like if, if you believe you can't do something, you're not going to try and thus you won't be able to do it. <laughs> right. If you believe that, Hey, I can be fitter next year than I am this year. Yeah. You're, you're going to approach training differently. You know, if like, Hey, my nutrition can be better next year than it is this year, you're going to behave differently. And so mindset really is this kind of, um, underlying catalyst for, you know, a lot, a lot that we do. And, and I'm, again, I don't want to be the person that's like throwing stuff out in the ether. I'm a very like evidence-based person and I like to break things down into X's and O's, but it, it's serious. It's a serious thing, right? Like if I give you the exact blueprint, you know, per se of what you need to do to achieve results, but in your mind, you're like, well, you know, I, I don't really learn well. And, you know, this is not for, for me. My, my family was never meant to be successful. So those beliefs now will make you not follow the blueprint. It will, it will make you not give your best effort. And because of that, you won't have the success that, you know, and then you'll say like, see, I told you so. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like your, your, your beliefs will then confirm behaviors. Behaviors will confirm your beliefs. And you're kind of like this cul-de-sac of, of not changing, which, which is why. Like, why do I think that mentors, coaches, uh, environments, books are such an important thing? Because those those things can slowly start putting different seeds of belief, right, into your head. Like, and sometimes it might take a while, right? I mean, I you know I I fucked up a lot of things in my life, and and uh and if we need you need to beat that out, just let me know. Uh, but now we're it, listening. It's, uh, 
And, you know, I, I, I had to, you know, when, when I came to that awareness and realization, you know, I, I went and went into therapy. I went into this, you know, wake up warrior men's program. I, I did a lot of hard things so that I changed my belief systems and some were created from trauma in my, my childhood. Right. But it's like you, some of them are slower. Some of them are faster. I've, I've been to events where I'm like, I have an aha moment, right? Like you listen to somebody speak and it just hits you. And you're like, oh shit, like, whoa, I've been looking at it this way, but this makes sense. So it it's critical to surround yourself with people that are, you know, uh, inspiring and aspirational to you. And I have this little um, kind of like quote slash principle. And it says, collect role models and hunt for skill sets, right? And in my life, I started collecting role models like, Oh, you know, a big entrepreneurial hero for me was uh, Richard Branson, right? The way that he did business with philanthropy, like, and I would almost kind of copy him. And obviously, you know, I'm a small business. He's a mega business. Um, and I started doing that. And the irony of it is that six years ago, I was invited to Necker Island, you know, to spend time with him and his, his, his Maverick group, right? But it was like, I was collecting role models and, and doing things like they were doing. If you have a role model in parenting, you know, you're like, man, I have these, you know, friends and they're incredible parents. Okay. How do they behave? Ask them questions. How are they thinking? What are they doing? What are their principles? You have somebody that's like, they're a killer content creator. Okay. Collect that role model. Right. And it doesn't have to be one you can piece them together. There's no rules. Right. And you can make this mega role model like Megatron and that let that guide you to how your life is. And then what you do is you go hunt for skill sets because now it's like, it's one thing to have role models. It's number two is like practice so that you become skilled at the thing. Like being a good parent, skill set, getting better at eating more protein per day, skill set, uh, you know, having a, a, a better, better form on a deadlift or creating acceleration speed, skill set, right? Practice, 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 practice. And that idea of when you look at somebody, you go like, man, I, I love how they live their life in this way you start learning from them, right? And I, I'm always a, I'm always like, buy their books, get their course, go to their seminar if you can afford it, get their coaching, get on a call. Like I, I do this stuff too. Like I find somebody that's crushing it and I'm like, man, that, that person is really, really good, good at this. I'm like, do they have a seminar? Can I call them? Is it a thousand bucks per call? Don't care. Like, mm -hmm. because that wisdom is going to be worth so much more, right? And so I, I would, I would encourage people to kind of write it out. Hey, what role models are you collecting? Write it down. And then maybe it's a $15 book that you start with, right? It's not a big investment. Maybe it's a seminar or course that you get. And then you write out, what are the skill sets that I need to be successful in the field, right? So, I mean, again, we could, we could break this down and say, is it nutrition? But we could also go, oh, is it business? And then you start practicing and hunting for those skill sets, right? And like that, that's really, really helped me out because as, you know, as you move through life, for example, when I, when I bought this building, I didn't really know a lot about commercial real estate. So I had to, I needed to collect role models and people that knew what they're doing, you know, invest in them. And then I had to learn stuff so that I wouldn't get gypped, you know, cause you start working uh -huh. with construction companies and it's like, you look at the line item and I'm like painting 26,000 shit. You know, I make a phone call. It's like, now nah, we'll do it for nine. I'm like, okay. You know, so you start, you start learning that. And and, and that was very new to me. So I had to immerse myself, but I followed those same principles, collect role models, hunt for skill sets. What does that look like in practice on a daily basis? 
right? You want to become good at content creating. You should probably create some content every day. You, you know, you want to get good at writing. Hey, write for 15 to 20 minutes every day. That's it. 15, 20 minutes. At the end of the year, you'll be a significantly better writer than you were a year ago. And at the beginning, it might be shit. <laughs> you know, it might, it's like nobody's reading this, but it doesn't matter because you're practicing and building on that skill set. And if I think that if every person could zoom out and then break this down into like doable things that are daily, you know, daily doable things and understand that this is the long game mm -hmm. changing. And Eve, we were talking about this, right? Like that, that was the, that, that was the premise of even our conversations. Like, look, long-term gratification, like don't, if, if you're not willing to do something past three months, then that's not a thing that you're really truly willing to do. Look at the year, look at five, you know, look at 10, look at these longer kind of the longer game. And then little by little, you know, uh, you, you end up winning. I, there's this great quote in um, Sun Tzu, The Art of War. He says, you know, I will, I'll wait long, long enough to see the bodies of my enemies coming down the river, right? That might sound like a little hardcore, but, but really what he's talking about is like, I'll outlast you, mm -hmm. right? I'm just going to go longer. I'm going long enough to where my enemies will not make it and they're going to float past me, right? So consistency is really going to be the winner. And it's, it's the same thing as the training program, right? Like if you have the best training program in the world, but you're like on and off, your results will be nowhere near as good as some training program. It's okay. Yeah. But somebody's doing it consistently as, you know, just crazy consistent. So that's, that's the winning, you know, that's the winning formula right there. Facts, facts. That, and that's deep because we hear all the time, uh, put me, put you, put yourself in a room full of five millionaires, you'll be the six. Put yourself in a room full of five poor people, you'll be the six or whatever. But when you broke it down like that, um, it's so much deeper because just being in the room is not going to get you there. You do right. have to actually pick from those people and learn what they're doing and adopt their habits to be able to, you know, get on the same level where they are or to try to be where they are. It's not just being in the room. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, like it because here's what being in a room, I think, does, right? We're, we're, we're tribal people, right? We're societal, meaning that like we adhere to the standards of the tribe. Right. And like one of the most painful things for human beings is to be, you know, pushed out of a social circle. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's why people do crazy stuff, right? And like, I, you know, my experience too, when I was in, you know, in the criminal life, you know, that was the, like, like it was part of it. Like, well, this is my tribe, even though it was, we were doing dumb shit, like, it's like you don't want to get excluded out of that. So it's like, hey, we're going to challenge you to do this thing. And you do it because you don't want to get pushed out of your of that circle. Well, and but I think that that's why it's so important to get into rooms like for everybody that's working with you guys. Right. What happens? Well, they they come into this group and the standards of the tribe are higher, meaning like, hey, everybody here is really working hard you know, mm -hmm. to improve their health. I mean, in, in one of the businesses and improve their business in the other one. So, so now their standards are different, right? But if, if you went to, a, you know, you went with a group of people, we go out four nights a week and that's the standard. Now you're adhering to that standard, right? And it's a, it's a very challenging thing, right? But if you go to a room where it's entrepreneurs that are crushing it, all of a sudden you go like, damn, these are all these people I look up to. Wow. Look at their standards. Now the, the, the tough thing about it is like, if you just get like a taste of the juice, you know, you go to a seminar, woo, yeah, 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 you know, and then you go back to your old environment and you don't change it, that's going to be tough, right? Because that that juice only, that motivation is is fleeting, right? And so, that, and that's why it's so important to put yourself into those places, right? So 
I'm like, hey, when you come to Vigor Ground, guess what? You're, you're going to get challenge, but you're going to get a lot of support. You're going to get community and you're going to get a group of people that are all working to improve their life, health, fitness, strength, right? Like be better role models in their life for their families and their children. So now that becomes the new norm of the society. Mm-hmm. And that's what you had heard to, right? Because otherwise you're like the odd one out, right? So, but the problem is like, if you're, if you're going out and all your friends are, you know, going out, partying four nights a week, eating whatever, and you start eating, you know, better to improve your life. Now you're the odd one out. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and and that feels like, you know, you know what how it happens is like, oh man, you're too good for us, right? You can't go out drinking with us anymore, uh, you know. <laughs> and it's like, I've I've gone through that. It's painful, but at the end of the day, like you have to choose who you want to become, and and you have to put yourself in the right environments, you know, to because the environment, you know, we shape our environments and and our environments shape us, right? Mm-hmm. But we have more yeah. control than we think, right? We have more control than we are led to believe. So I have to I have to ask you. When you were, you know, being a knucklehead, all of that, and had the obsession that was kind of coming up of like, I want to, you know, study fitness. I want to get stronger, faster, bigger, all of that. Did you feel like you were stepping away from the crowd and kind of becoming like the only person doing something different? Like, did people look at you like, oh, Lucas think he's, thinks he's better now. He's studying. He's doing this. Like, did you feel like that at any time? I'll share what was the pain point for me. So ball really like, you know, by, by that age where I was also involved in, I think that, you know, uh, Tony Robbins made this great. I went to unleash the power within many, many years ago. And he said something and it really resonated with me, like why I was also like in crime. Right. And it was like, I wanted to feel significant, but you know, my insecurity led me into it because said what's how can i feel powerful like i pull out a gun and i point it at you right and i feel like i'm in power Mm -hmm. but really i'm insecure but you're seeking that or you're seeking you know you're seeking that because um it might be i make a bunch of money right because i'm selling drugs and like i feel ooh, now i feel like uh more significant but i'm gaining it through an approach that is actually driven from insecurity so so that was that side of it now I had a, a a huge love for basketball and that was my community too. Right. And when my coach started benching, my, my coach said, you know, and that's why like, you know, coach, like when I say fitness, but it was coaches in my life that truly guided my life and, and changed it. He said, I know what you're doing. Like people talk, like I know all this stuff. Right. And I'd start coming to practice and I was like a really hard worker, but I started coming to practice a little bit late. Right. Cause I'm dropping off stuff here, stop stuff there, so on and so forth. And he's like, okay, well, you're not going to play. Right. And then it's like, he would, he would do the thing he knew was the most painful thing for me. That was more painful than anything. I'm not playing, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't take long for me to, like, learn the lesson, right? Guess, guess whose ass was at practice early, right? Who, who was always – and that's how I used to – I was always that guy. But when I started doing street stuff, it's like I started kind of falling off a little bit, and he quickly reminded me. And, like, that pain, you know, it's like where either he understood – he understood, like, I'm going to teach him a lesson because this is going to be so painful for him. He's going to move in a different direction. And unfortunately, right, like, we are more driven away from pain than we are towards pleasure. Uh-huh. And and so that was really, you know, and he was also the person that said, look, sat me down. And I had a lot of love and respect for him. And, and he said, look, there's only two, you know, paths here. Like, one, you make a decision, you play ball, you go to school, you, do, you know, and the other one is every everything down the other path is not good, right? It's jail, 
It's dead, arrested. I mean, nothing's good, right? And it, it really made me think, and that's also when I made a decision to like, I, I had no, I, like I had no aspirations at that point in time to like go to America and play college ball. It was after that conversation. And um, we went to this um, Eastern Invitational Basketball Academy in the U.S. where somebody said, hey, you ever thought about playing college ball? And I'm like, no, you know, and they, they opened the door for that. And it, I started thinking about it. And that's when I made the decision because I was like, well, I can continue to do what I love. And I changed my environment. So I kind of have a bit of an opportunity to, to start over in a sense, because, you know, that life does, even when you're like, ah, I'm not going to do that that much, that life tends to, uh, I would say, chase you down, you know? So, so that was, that was, a, I wanted to explain that because it's never really, I think that people sometimes think that um, when you make decisions, it's like cold turkey and everything changes. Mm -hmm. I, I would argue it's not like that, right? The remnants of your past habits, your past life are constantly like tentacles trying to pull, pull you down. And you, and you know, you have to work really hard. And, and um, I, I, I'm sure you've heard of that, like, you know, inconscience, incompetence, you know, uh, first, like you're, you're doing something wrong, but you don't even know it. Right. And then, then from there, once you, be, you get awareness it's you know, conscience incompetence, right now I'm conscious about it. I'm doing dumb shit, but I'm conscious about it. And then you really try to change it. And then it goes to conscious competence. Mm -hmm. And then when you work long enough at it, you come to unconscious competence, right? Which is like, you do the right stuff unconsciously. And that process is certainly not easy because if it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's why it's even so much more important. And the reason why I said that, like, you know, that a coach and my team were big, big catalysts for me to change and, and, and kind of change my life in a different direction, but it wasn't like, Oh, it's Tuesday. I had this conversation on Wednesday. Everything's different. You know, it took months and months and months and months. I would even say a year plus for me to really kind of shift, but I, but I worked very, very hard at it. And so, uh, I, I think that's helpful for people to hear that that's natural because sometimes, yeah. you know, you see the memes online and stuff and like, Oh, you, you saw something in red something and the next day you're a different person. No, like you have to, you have to build like what we were talking about earlier. You have to build this new identity with practice and, and, and action. Um, and it, and it takes time, but it's very, very, very worth it. You know, and you're going to fall off sometimes you just got to get back on track because you, you're never really off if you keep going. Right. And that's really important. True. true. Yeah, definitely true. So what was your inspiration to open the gym? Did you have a vision? I, you know what, uh, a big part of it for me was, you know, it's like Foresight 2020, right? You look back, if you ask me this, I don't know, you know, what, when I was doing it, I'd probably tell you a different story. Um, but looking back now, I loved, you know, even when my mom opened the gym, it was like this, this place of, it, it was like, you know, cause, cause I had a, mentoring from like one of the top powerlifters in in the country and uh these guys at the bottom of the building um there was these two gymnasts one of them was Aliash Pigan I know it's really hard to say but he was like a five-time world champion right like like best in the world at the straddle and they'd come up and you know they'd show me stuff and obviously I was I was kind of like inspired you know I was like wow man this is Aliash Pigan you know and and so they'd show me stuff and I'd work hard and it create like so I, that was the beginning of, for it for me because that place was a place of you know challenge but support, you know, mm -hmm. like not being made fun of, but like, I'm going to push you and I'm going to make you better. And like within, you know, when you start training, I mean, you see results fast, right? Cause you're a newbie. So for me, it's like, you know, months later, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm up five pounds. Like 
I can see my muscle. I touched the backboard, you know? And so for me, the gym became a place of growth. It became a mm -hmm. place of challenge, support, and growth. And I think when you're younger, you know, your nervous system is so malleable and neuroplastic that I think that was just like stamped, you know? And then the gym and training for me became this place of solitude, even in a world of, you know, when, it, when I was in trouble and doing dumb shit, it was like, that place was like the safe space for me. It was like, I have my people, right? My team. I have my coaches that push me and guide me. I have this challenge. I have this, you know, I'm improving my competence. Um, there's a, another great book. I had to bring it up. It's called Tribes by Sebastian Junger. And he talks about, you know, human motivation, right? There's three things that drive human motivation. Um, and one of them is competence. So if you get better, you get motivated, right? So as, as, if no, no reward, no external reward, like, oh, here's money to do this. No, like if you, if I can't hit a three pointer and then five months later, I'm making eight out of 10, I'm going to be more motivated, right? So competence, getting people better, helping people get better will make them more motivated. Number two is contribution. So that's what, you know, when, when I shared earlier that I got fired up when people got better, I felt like I was contributing and not taking that fired me up. That's why, you know, for the last 16 years, I've been doing so much charity work. Part of it is selfish. You know, it's like I do stuff for the community or raise money. It's like I get a hit of it's like it's addictive. Right. But what a good addiction to have is to help others. So contribution is number two. Number three is connection. And I think that might be the most important ones. Right. Human beings, we are we are wired to connect. And that's like those three things like were given. To, I mean, basketball and training in the gym gave me that. Right. I got better, more competent. I had connection. And honestly, I felt I was doing something that was much better than taking shit away from people. Right. And when you can connect those three, like that's what builds tribes. And, um, and it's an incredible, it's like an incredible book too. It's a short read. Um, but it, it also talks about, you know, I come from, I was born in Yugoslavia, you know, before, before the war. So it was in 81, I was born in Yugoslavia and in 91, the war started and it split up into Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia. And it talks about the war in Bosnia and like, how even through war people got connected, right? Because they had those things. And it's very, very, very powerful message. I'd, I'd encourage anybody to read it because if you are in the service business, in the people uh -huh. business, like you have to understand those three things and like what the book talks about because it, it's uh, it's transformative. If you really apply it, it's transformative in life. And so that's, that's what the gym did for me. And I, I think that as time went by, you know, and I got out of that world, the negative world, and when I realized what basketball did for me and what the gym did for me, it, it became a thing like, man, I want to do that for others. And I want to do, you know, and, and eventually as I became a better coach and the gym grew and, you know, I would say uh, my name grew to a degree. It was like, OK, well, now I want to do this at scale, you know, and at scale is why I started doing YouTube videos and social media and podcasts and speaking. And, you know, because now I can just reach a, a bigger audience. And again, to this day, I get a DM and somebody goes like, I've been following you for years. You changed my life. You know, whether it's a coach or it's a person that's helped them with their fitness, I still get that hit. And I'm like, mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing that message with me. You know, I, I get off and I start doing something that's going to help more people. Like it, literally, it's like this mm -hmm. constant effect where, yeah. where I, I get a hit. And it's like, man, I got to make even better content. I got to help more people. I got to do seminar. I got to, you know, and, and I love him. It. It's, it's like, it's, I do a lot of work, but at the same time, you know, I, it's very fulfilling and meaningful. And I think when you do fulfilling, meaningful work, 
you know, you get way less tired than if you do work that is not meaningful or, or, or meaningful or fulfilling. Man, that like that definitely hit me because I was having a conversation with Randall over the last couple of days. I was like, man, why do I do this shit? Why do I do so much talking and teaching and this? And he's like, you love it. And I'm like, God, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes it can be a lot. I'm sure you get to moments where you're like, 100%. did I 100%. invest in too much? Did I commit to too much? And then you get to the end of the week and you're like, I'm tired. I haven't like. I've been, you know, online every single day working on something for 12, 12 days straight. But like, it's the same thing. If someone messages me, I've been following you for three years. You changed my life. I've done all your programs. I get off. Boom. I tell him immediately. I'm just like, I'm in my feelings. I'm like, damn, I got to go do something else. Yeah. I mean, and then I, you're looking at me. I'm just like, it is. It's like a, a dopamine hit. A hundred percent. I mean, I, if I, you know. I'll, and I'll say it here, like the amount of times I shed a tear when I read read stuff, it's you know what I'm saying. Like it's it's it's, it's honestly crazy. Now, so a story of that, like when I when we did our first nine years ago, I did my first big event in Vegas, and we, I mean, the event was phenomenal. We ate shit, like financially. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the numbers that we and we got sued by MGM. We kind of ended up fi figuring that out, but it was like, you know, it was a crash course of when you don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. And you just get slapped. Right. After this event, we're like, we are never fucking doing an event again. Right. And then the, the following two weeks, hundreds of messages. Best event I've ever been to. Life changing, life changing. Oh, my God. You're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. And, you know, and at the beginning, you're like, nope, 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 nope. And then you're like, fuck. And then we did it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we did it again. And it's like the next one wasn't you know as as bad but it was still hard we still had losses and but it's like every single time that you know that feeling and now you know it's like this year will be the uh eighth event in 10 years right mm -hmm. um and, and it's like sorry it's gonna be eighth event in 11 years but it's you know you, you just get hooked on that right and and it's like that feeling of of giving back that you know that's the, the second seat of the contribution c um man it, it, it gets you and Again, like that, you almost, it's like, I could be exhausted from the work and you get like that. There's days you're like, dude, I don't want to do this. You know, I mean, we're all human and, and, and to pretend that that doesn't happen is bullshit. There's mm -hmm. plenty of times where I'm like, I just had a seven day week. You know, the least I worked was 12, right? Like, and I'm like, I'm toast. And then somebody will say something to you. And it's like, it's like somebody plugged in a charger into me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm back motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, it, and i mean it, it is it, it is that for me and again it, it is it is hard it is challenging um but i do think it's different right like um i don't know if it was the rock or or somebody that said yeah it's like this quote that's going around i think it's true it's like you're not tired you're uninspired mm, you know yeah. and when somebody tells me like oh man like seven eight hours in a day da, da, da. and like by the way Folks will always go like, oh, you promote hustle, you know, hustle culture too much. I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, it's not. I promote purpose culture, mm -hmm. you know, like I promote meaning culture. And I've been more exhausted doing seven to eight hours of something that I'm like completely not connected to. Right. And I'll do a 14, 15 hour day of something I love. And at the end of the 15 hour day, like people, you know, I'll have 20 year olds. that are like, dude, what is wrong with like, what are you on? Like you're on something like, you know. And I'm like, nah, man, this is the Luca juice. Like, this is the purpose, you know? And like, I hope, I hope I can help you tap into that. And by the way, but to figure it out, this is important. This is really, really important. Purpose is forged. It is not found. 
And yeah. I think that's the mistake of the younger generation today is that you're trying to find it. You're jumping from one thing to the next and you're not giving it time. And remember what we said about deliberate practice, you got to bust your ass to find purpose. Yeah. You got to put in 10 out of 10 effort for a while, for years to find purpose. Mm -hmm. It ain't like, like, oh, I showed up at this company. It's like, oh my God, I had to do a bunch of shit I didn't like doing. I'm going to go somewhere else. You'll be a pinball machine your whole life, right? You have like, look, there's no, there's, there's no way of not getting uncomfortable. You know, that's why like people that can learn to be in the uncomfortable for a long time are the people that will succeed, right? And if you think that like, oh man, you know, I'm just looking for this thing that's going to hit me with passion, you ain't going to find it. Like, you know what I mean? Like passion is hard work, but, and you can look at, you know, uh, the book actually has a ton of studies. Like I can show you a ton of studies about, you know, the harder the people work, the longer they do it, the more passionate they become about their craft. Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's not even, it's not just me like saying stuff in the ether. These are like, evidence-based research studies there's so many of them that i could you know link hundreds of articles and and publications about it so it's not like oh this guy's just saying this no like it's, it's real stuff and i because part of you know what what i'm doing is i really really hoping and helping the i would say new generation come up and be successful right and like what are you know because this industry i think is the best industry in the world and the thing is how can we have more great people stay in it and build careers. And I know you guys do that too through one of your businesses is like helping people help people and become successful. Because the thing is, if you stay in it for four years versus you stay in it for 40 years, who's going to help more people? Well, come on. I mean, it's, you know, it's math, right? Like hmm. 10 times, forget about 10 times, it's going to compound. It'll be thousands of times more people will get helped. If you can build, you know, a, a, tr a success trajectory where like you're making good money, you can build security for the long term, right? And that's what you guys do. That's what, what I do. And I continue to like stay in a craft, which you do too, and then teach the craft, right? And that, that's, to me, that's the game. But there are the, the, the things that we talked about today is like, those are the principles. That's not the tactical, uh -huh. you know, X's and O's and stuff. If you don't have the principles, then the tactics don't work. You know, and it's a little poem that I always tell people when it comes to training and program design. I said, methods are many, principles are few. Methods change, principles never do, right? Like in... And that's, that's true for anything, any industry, you know, any craft. So don't, you know, don't be seeking out the new, you know, cool, like uh, cool stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like endurance over trends all day long. Like that's how you become the best. Did you ever think you were going to be a leader when you were younger? Did you envision this happening? Um, I think, you know, it. I would say basketball did that for me because, I eventually became a team captain and like that was that was a conversation you know that my coach really helped me with because he was like you're, you're the hardest working person um on every team you go but he's like but because of your you know but you're 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 a fucking firecracker you know like <laughs> it's like you, you i mean you could explode at any point in time and he said leadership you can't do that you can't be that and it's like you're better than this you know and, and i think there's something about people Again, this is, I, I really hope that people take this to heart. Because um, when you ask that question, it's a great question. It made me think of this. One of the things that we do is, and what my coach did is that he saw me more than I saw myself. Mm -hmm. Like we believe in people more than they believe in themselves. So much so that they start believing in themselves. Right. And it, it, it's, it sounds kind of corny, but like one of my really close friends and, and legendary coaches, Martin Rooney, back you know when when he was still 
before he was, you know, one of the top MMA strength and conditioning coaches and TFW, he, he basically created the fastest guys in NFL for combines, right? Through uh, Parisi Speed School. And I'd buy all his DVDs and all his stuff. And, you know, we, we ended up becoming good friends. And, I, you know, and I was like, hey, man, like, tell me the secrets of like, man, what do you do with these guys for like eight years in a row? You know, you had the fastest guys at the combine. Like, what's the strategy? Now, you guys doing more strength training, speed work. What's the percentage of this? Did it, did it, right? Like, he said, nah, it's none of that, man. It's like all basic stuff. He said, I talk to them and with them. And I believe, like, I, everything I do is like, I'm believing that they can be the best and the fastest. That's mm -hmm. literally, I do it so much that at some point in time, they go, hmm, this guy's either completely fucking nuts or like he's onto something, and then they start believing. And then the thing is, when they start believing, we said that earlier, you start behaving differently. Now you start making your food a little different because you know if you're leaner, you can run a little faster. And then it's like, then you get your sleep because you know if you can't recover, your CNS is not going to be great, and then you can't punch, and you can't have as good of a training session, right? And, that, and that's the thing that's so magical, but it's so hard because it's like, again, I'm in year 19. I'm going to coach today. I'm gonna, I coached yesterday. I coached the day before. I'm going to coach five hours straight on Saturday morning. And like, I come with the fire because I know I have to brainwash people into greatness. Oh, right. And Mike, every day. <laughs> every day. right. I'm like, that's what I, I know. Trying. You guys know this, right? Like you guys know this. We're saying the same thing over and over and over again in a thousand different ways. Like how many, how many times you, you tell people like, Hey, protein is really important. Like you got to get enough in it. Right. Like you've probably said it hundreds of thousands of times. And then you got to wrap it into a, you know, different story and a different angle and something that connects to the people. But it's like, you know, I, I really truly do believe that, you know, for, for me and I can, to connect the dots back, like he did that. He was like, I know you can be a great leader, but here's what you can't do, right? You can't be great one day and then the next day you're like not even here or you're the person that loses their cool and like loses their shit. Those are not leadership behaviors. And yeah. by the way, an excellent book. I, I give it to all my interns and new coaches right it's called it's by robin sharma it's a fable it's called a leader with no title yep it's one of right. the first books and business yeah. i read phenomenal. Yeah. um phenomenal book and it, it, but really it becomes like you know people want people want to get the title like you are a leader no 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 like what, what happens is you could be whoever and you have leadership behaviors oh old lady's coming up i'm gonna open the door for her right hey oh, this person like i'm gonna help them cross the street Man, like, what, think about the list of different things. Place is not clean. Is it my title to clean it? No, it's not. But I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do, and I want the place to be clean, right? Am I going to stay, you know, am I paid to stay longer to talk to this client? No, but you know what? Am I going to help them out, and that's my goal and mission? I'm going to stay an extra 10 minutes. I'm going to stay, and I'll come an extra 10 minutes earlier. And after three years, you're the person that has the most clients because you're doing a little extra stuff. You're doing the leadership behaviors and you're putting enough of those votes to become that identity, right? And that's when, when you get that, like, don't wait, like, well, they're not paying me enough yet to do this thing. That's like, you got to flip that upside down, right? You become a linchpin by doing those things so that people are like, holy shit. And then you get the thing, mm -hmm. right? You don't show up and go like, hey, I've done nothing, but guess what? Give me this and then I'll show you. No, show me first, right? People say, know your worth. Listen, I, I agree with this, by the way, right? But guess what? Show your worth. Mm -hmm. When you build value, it's like you, you know, I, I'm, I'm always like become undeniable, like become omnipresent. Mm -hmm. Fucking nobody can be like, oh, that guy doesn't do the work or doesn't create value. It would be insane to say that. So mm -hmm. to me, it's always the goal of like, like, you won't be able to say I don't do these things. Mm 
-hmm. right? But, right? But the thing is, but you do them for the right reasons. I don't, I'm doing them because it's the right thing to do. Not because, you know, Joe is going to be like, oh man, that guy's doing them. Right. And once you detach those things, like it, that's when you start doing that every day. And that's when it starts compiling, you know, and it takes time. But again, then, then people go like that person's a leader, right? Mm -hmm. With, without even having the title of it to be like, no, 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 that person's a leader. Right. So I think that that's an important um, distinction. Yeah. I remember one of the things you said at the 2023 raise the bar event was you can't wait for permission to give value. I wrote it down. <laughs> awesome, man. What a great, what a great memory right there. <laughs> but it's, but it's true though, right? Like, because I think that people attach these things to go like, well, you know, when, once I make more money, I'll create more content. When I have some assistance, when I like, there's always a thing, but it's like every single day, forget about even online. Like, you know, once a week you go to the coffee shop and I pay for, you know, 50 bucks for anybody that's coffee behind me. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, and you just do that. Right. And then also you go to a person, you go like, Hey, your shoulder's bugging. You know what? I'll meet with you tomorrow for 20 minutes. I'll show you some shoulder exercises. Are they paying you for that? No. They tell their friend, Oh my God, my shoulder feels better. Luca just spent some extra time with me. And when you do that every single day for like weeks and months and years, I guarantee you, you're going to have more clients, more referrals, more word of mouth, more like, first of all, when you do good shit, guess what? Maybe the best thing about it is that you feel good, mm -hmm. right? That's what contribution is. Like, I've never done something for somebody and they're like, man, thank you so much for doing that. And I was like, I feel horrible. You know, like it, it never happens. So it's like, if you want to make yourself feel better and that's the only reward that you get, that reward is worth it in and of itself. But I actually think that it's, simpler than ever to be the busiest person you know we can we can talk online offline whatever it may be i specifically definitely talk a lot about offline because you can walk down the street in your community shake hands kiss babies talk to people connect and you know you can be the busiest coach in a year if you follow these super simple things and over deliver a little bit and again be a leader with no title right it, it really is it's i'm not saying it's easy i'm saying it's simple Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, are you willing to do the thing? And that's why, like, you know, if, if there's one person that listens to this and, and it hopefully, you know, hits them in the gut a little bit, you know, feel free to send me a message and be like, I hate you, but I don't, you know, because, <laughs> that you know, it's, it's like, you know, that the uncomfortable stuff changes. Like when I hear uncomfortable stuff, it's usually because it's something that's triggering me because I'm not doing it. Right. Somebody says something I'm like, man, you get pissed off at the person it's because you're probably not doing it. And it's triggering you. Well, I hope that it does trigger you, but it triggers you into some type of positive behavior and a change in your life, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that's, that. That's huge to me because the whole servant leadership thing is big to me. Like, um, I worked for a guy named Andy Levimoff. I'm name dropping here. When I was in college, uh, and he owned 13 stores. Like, mm -hmm. dude was, like, just loaded. He had, he had just buku money. But we would go to work and we would be at work at 5, 36 in the morning, whatever time he told us to be there, depending on what kind of tasks we had to do. And this dude would always beat us there. And he would always be mopping, sweeping, cleaning the restroom, things like this. And you couldn't help but to grab a mop or a broom or something because he's yes. paying. How can how can I look at him work and he outworks me, but he's paying me? So for me, like that just that said in my mind, and I've been in leadership roles. I was team captain or whatever. And, and since I was 23 in my career, whether I was a supervisor or manager or whatever, and I always 
implemented that everywhere I went. Like, I'm never going to ask my team to do nothing I wouldn't do. I'm going to be the first one on the floor doing this, doing that. And people just catch on like that. They respect it. They respect you more than anything else when you're willing to get down and, and do the lowest of the low or whatever people don't want to do. If you're going to do it, then the people that work for you or work with you, they respect you more than anyone else. Man, you you make this. I, I literally put up a post earlier this morning, in uh, because you're you're speaking that, and then uh, I said, hey, I learned a five step process when you're trying to equip another person to complete or achieve a task, and it goes like this: Number one, I do it. Number two, I do it, and you are with me. Number three, you do it, and I'm with you. Number four is you do it, and number five, you do it, and somebody's with you, right? But right. what what is it? You always starts with you, right? I cannot give what I do not have. Neither can you. And there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of that, like people giving advice, but it's like, are you taking your own advice? That's true wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. When you sit down with a friend and you're like, hey, you know what you should do? And it's like, okay, are you doing that? We're all guilty, by the way. Like, you know, I, I think awareness is key. Like there's shit in my life. I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, you should do this. And I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> you know, but the, the sooner you can become aware, that really is like, you, you said it exactly that, like, it's really it's hard to get mad at something. like man this person's damn he's he's crushing it but like he's he's cleaning the floor with gusto you know like yeah. it's man this guy's like he's putting a 10 out of 10 you know effort in cleaning the floor and then, then you go like man maybe you know if you realize it you go like man maybe that's the secret right there right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i and i do and i think it is i really i, I really think it is right so man i get fired up about this i'm not even caffeinated right now but i feel i am <laughs> Um, I got to get some of that Luca. Yeah, but listen, this, this is what I, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's, I, I need to bottle that shit and, and sell it in stores or something. But it's to, to me, like, this is the thing, though, right? Everything we've talked about, like, this is what it is. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't make this up. Seriously, I, I couldn't get excited like this and fake it, right? I like, I wake up every morning and some days I'm exhausted, but man, like, I, I'm, I always remember, like, I love doing this and like doing, you know, competence contribution connection like i get to do this right and like we get to do this this is the, the best industry man like we get to change people yes. tell me one one industry where we can affect people on a daily basis and do what we do come on it's you know it's crazy and so the, the moment that you start complaining about it like you need to flip that stuff around and and understand and you know and today today when, when i started this 19 years ago 18 19 years ago i mean we didn't have uh, hundreds of opportunities that we have today like we could never do a Zoom, we could never do a podcast, we could never have online programs and all these different things and you know, reach the world through media and things like that. Like we are our own radio, our own newspaper, our own uh, TV channel, right? For free off your phone. And so the thing is, is like, man, stop always. I'm like, when you complain, you know, I have a no complaining rule. Like if you complain, if you can't affect it, stop complaining. And if you can, give me two solutions, right? That's the rule. And then, okay, solutions, cool. Now let's get to work, right? Because mm -hmm. complaining ain't going to do shit. So, you know, I'll, I'll end on that note because, man, I'm, like I said, I, I, can, I can talk. I can talk. Fire it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you let our audience know for 2024 where they can expect to see you? I know I'll see you next month. <laughs> yes. I will. So um, raise the bar in Dallas end of February. Um, I just got off a call with uh, – Jason Phillips, I'll be at Coaching Con at beginning of, uh, I'll be doing a panel Q&A there, beginning of April in Orlando. Um, I will be at Mike Boyle's Spring Seminar in Boston, April 13th to 14th. Mm -hmm. And um, 
also, I mean, there's, there's a, we have a ton of events at, at our gym and certifications, but the, the, the big Don Dada, I put on a, an event every couple of years called Vigor Ground Fitness and Business Summit. That will be in Seattle, October 10th to 12th. And um, word on the street is that um, he will be there. Just saying. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. Like, we'll probably start promoting that uh, next month. We're, we're, we're really working hard on the back end, on the back. Because uh, it's a, it's a, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be biased. But, like, you know, we're in a hotel on Lake Washington. It's beautiful. It's, I mean, the, the, the lineup is ridiculous. And the, the event and experience is amazing. So, can't wait to see everybody there at all those events. Can't wait to see you guys in um in Dallas next month. It's gonna it's gonna roll up on us, and um, you know we'll we'll be we'll be chitter chattering there. Cool, awesome, sure. definitely. It's gonna be a dope time. Hell yes, you already know. Um, and yeah, for any I mean any for any following, like I, I do a bunch of different stuff, but it's YouTube and Instagram at Luca Hosevar L U K A H O C E V A R. Um, and I share a bunch of stuff there, like uh, the Vigor Life podcast, where you guys will hear even next week as well. I don't know when this one drops, but you know that was that was a great episode. So those those places. But if you if you Google me, like most of the stuff pops up, and uh, it's pretty simple. Cool, and we'll get all the books into the show notes. Because if oh, not, we'll get it. lots of DMs. <laughs> yeah, I hope you had your pins. I've been writing them down. <laughs> we'll get them all linked. All will be linked. Cool. Sure, sure. Well, we appreciate you coming to chop it up with us, Luca. It was great having you on the show today. And we appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you like, share, download, and subscribe. And we'll holler at y'all next week. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Make sure you like, share, and tag us on Instagram. Also, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss future episodes. In the meantime, be healthy and get welcome.